the last 19 chapters, it's just a beautiful statement when he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and he shall stand on the earth. I'm sorry, he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. And we looked at that the last time we met. And we wondered about this great revelation that God gave to Job. But we also wondered if Job was going to live again, he understood this. If Job understood that he has a Redeemer, if he uh, came to the understanding that he was going to see his Redeemer someday, uh, why was Job going through all of this trial? I mean, what, what, what was the purpose of all of this in his life? And, and uh, we began to notice last time we met that uh, God is allowing suffering in Job's life because God wants to take righteous Job and make him perfect Job. God is trying to get a righteous man to be a mature man. That's the biblical word. Perfect means mature, maturity. And so tonight the saga kind of continues in chapter 20. And now Zophar is going to attack again Job. He's going to attack him. And the foundation of his attack begins in verse 5 of chapter 20. So if you find your place there in chapter 20, and you look at verse, uh, I'm sorry, let's look at verse 4. And he says, Knowest thou not this of old, since man was placed upon the earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite, but for a moment. So this is the foundation of Zophar's attack, which is the triumphing of the wicked, it doesn't last very long. It's pretty short. And really, no matter how much this wicked man excels, no matter how well he does in his life, no matter how much he, he seems like he's just riding high on top of everything, his memory will soon be gone. Look what he goes and says in verse 6. Though his excellency mount up to the heavens, and his head reach to the clouds, yet he shall perish forever like his own dung. Descriptive enough, is it not? They which have seen him shall say, uh, where is he? <laughs> right? Where'd he go? He shall fly away as a dream and shall not be found. Yea, he shall be chased uh, uh, away as a vision of the night. The eye also which saw him shall see him no more. Neither shall his place any more behold him. So here's what Zophar is saying really. That this, this wicked man, the wicked man doesn't last very long. And when he is quickly removed from the earth, nobody remembers him. He's gone out of people's memory. So here's the charge that he's going to make against Job now. He has set his foundation, his, his kind of his, his uh, thesis statement, you might want to call it. And then he's, now he's going to charge Job in chapter 19, or I'm sorry, in verse 19. Look what he says here. Verse 19 of, of chapter 20. Because he hath oppressed and hath forsaken the poor, because he hath violently taken away an house which he builded not. Now make no mistake, it's kind of, uh, this verse 19 is kind of clouded among a bunch of uh, poetic speech. But make no mistake, uh, Zophar is speaking about Job. He's talking about Job here, and he says that he has oppressed the poor. He's saying, Job, this is why you're dealing with what you're dealing with tonight. You've oppressed the poor, and you have violently destroyed somebody else's home. 
Okay, that's quite an accusation, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And so he's going to tell them what the judgment is now. Look at verse 20. Here, here he's pronouncing what Job is going to see. Surely he shall not feel quietness in his belly. He shall not save of that which he desired. There's not going to be any peace in your life. Look at verse 21. There's not going to be any food in your life. That's sad, huh? There shall none of his meat be left. Therefore shall no man look for his goods. I don't know who I said this to today. Somebody said something about it's always good to eat. Miss Mary, was that you? I think it might have been you. And I said, well, hey, we've given up every other vice. All we have left is food, right? Yeah. Yeah. So gluttony is still a sin. It is. But I don't think it's as strong as a Baptist sin as other things are, you know. So. <laughs> so he says you're going to have no peace in your life. He says you're going to have no food in your life. In verse 23, he says you're going to meet the wrath of God. Look at verse 23. When he is about to fill his belly, God shall cast the fury of his wrath upon him and shall rain it upon him while he is eating. If you remember when the children of Israel were coming through the wilderness and uh, they wanted quail and they wanted quail and finally God said, I'll give you quail. And it was up to their waist almost. It was said it was air while it was in their teeth and coming out of their nostrils. They were just gorging on this stuff. And God smote them with a, with, with a disease. And man, alive. I mean, that's kind of what I envisioned. This is what Zophar is saying. The judgment of God is going to fall on you while, you, while the food's in your mouth. It's going to fall. In verse 26, he says, even nature is going to attack all darkness shall be hid in his secret places. A fire not blown shall consume him. It shall go ill with him that is left in his tabernacle. The heaven shall reveal his iniquity and the earth shall rise up against him. I don't know if you know this, but we're under a red flag warning. You know what that means? Don't go out and burn your trash. Anybody still burn trash? I love burning trash. My neighbors hate. Yeah, there you go. All right. I mean, that's how it used to be. I'm Count me weird. But I don't think there's any better smell than just like somebody's trash pile. It just brings back all sorts of memories. I don't know what it is. It's it's nostalgia, right? Just, you know what it was? It was simpler. In town, I remember in Aurora, everybody burned trash in town. It just kind of reminds, I don't know, I'm getting older. Anyway, yeah, nostalgia. Yeah, Don't burn things when there's a red flag warning. I did that one time. We had this massive... We had about 76 acres south of Aurora, and before we bought it, the individual had logged it. So there's these huge piles of, of logs and timber and stuff from the from the logging, and I lit this thing. I, I, I set it on fire, and I didn't know why the sheriff was out by the county road watch it. I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. This thing was an inferno. It was so hot. And somebody said, you, you know, this was, well, before Internet. It was before Internet, and we didn't have a TV, and... And somebody says, you know, there's a red flag warning, don't you? It was a, no, a burn ban, don't you? I was like, nope, didn't know that. Bad deal. So <laughs> it's everything turned out all right, So, if you're wondering. The heaven re- shall reveal his iniquity and the earth shall rise up against him. Zophar says nature is going to attack this wicked person. And then verse 28, it says there's going to be absolute loss of possession. The increase of his home shall depart. His goods shall flow away in the day of his wrath. Look at verse 29. This is his portion of a wicked man from God and the heritage appointed unto him by God. And you notice now, now if you notice this, the friends of Job and Job have the same. um, They actually agree on something here. What is going on in Job's life? They agree that it's from the hand of God. 
They agree that God's doing this. Now, Job uh, doesn't know why God's doing this, and he's trying to find it out. And his friends are, 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 are convinced, and they know for certain why God is doing this, because he is a wicked, no good, low down, no count sinner. You know, and they know this. And so, here's the charge, the judgment, the verdict that, that uh, Zophar has re- read against Job, that um, he still believes that all of the tragedy that has fallen upon Job is because he is wicked. So if you look at verse 21 now, Job says, uh, no, <laughs> the wicked do prosper. The wicked do prosper. Look at verse 7. Wherefore do the wicked live, become old, yea, are mighty in power. Their seed is established in their sight with them, and their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear, neither is the rod of God upon them. Their bull gendereth, and faileth not. Their cow calveth, and casteth not her calf. They send forth their little ones like a flock, and their children dance. They take the timbrel and harp, and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in wealth, and in a moment they go down to the grave." They just their their life looks just fine, and no, they don't languish away until they die like Job thinks he's doing. No, they live a full life. The wicked live with with prosperity. Everything goes well for them, and they just they die. It's just Job is envious here, and this is what Job is saying: the the, the wicked do prosper. He's right, actually. He's right. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I I better not name family members. I have family members. It's just like they can't go wrong. Whatever they invest in does well. Whatever they have multiplies. It's just, it's just, it's mind-boggling to me at times to watch this. And I know it's not new with me. It's Job understood it. Uh, David understood it, and he wrote about it in Psalm seventy-three when he said he said I was envious at the foolish for the prosperity. He said I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It happens. The wicked will live their life well and they will go to the judgment. Look at verse 22. I'm sorry, I missed something. Look at, look at verse 14. Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? They don't need God. They've got it all. They don't have problems. They don't have troubles. They've got all the money they need. The job's fine. The kids are fine. The the, the animals are great. The the, the farm's growing. The cattle are multiplying. Why would I need God? So see, Job says the the wicked do prosper and the wicked don't want God because they're prospering. And then the third thing Job says here is that the wicked are going to live their life well. They're going to live just fine. And then they'll go to the judgment. Look at verse 22. Shall any teach God knowledge, seeing he judgeth judgeth those that are high? One dieth in his full strength, being wholly at ease and quiet. His breasts are full of milk, his bones are moistened with marrow. And another dieth in the bitterness of his soul, and never eateth with pleasure. They shall lie down alike in the dust, and the worms shall cover them. So here, once again, Job is saying that judgment always don't doesn't always judgment doesn't always come to the wicked in this life. 
It doesn't always come. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 4, uh, Paul told Timothy, some men's sins are, are open beforehand. Some men's sins are open to everybody to see and they, under, and they see the judgment that goes on. And uh, some men, they just follow after them. Some men's sins, you don't ever see them and they just follow them to the judgment and you're never aware of them. Matthew 5, 45, Jesus said that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain to the just and to the unjust. No, this is the mercy of God. This is the long suffering of God. This is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance sometimes. But it can be kind of, it can be irritating at times when you look out and you, and you look at your own life and you just say, God, you know, be honest. You've been honest. You've been here. Lord, I, I, I trust you. I believe you. I believe your word. We're living according to the, what we believe. And here we are. We're in your house every time it's open. We're out on visitation. We're talking to people. We're witnessing to people. We're tithing. We're giving to missions. We're sacrificing over and over again. And, and, and him? Seems like nothing ever falls to his, his problem, does it? Yeah. Now, thankfully, the Lord corrects us. And we are reminded that we aren't doing what we do just to get anything. We do what we do because we love the one who rescued us. Yeah. But it's easy to get there, isn't it? It's easy to look out at that. And, and the Lord Jesus even said, hey, I rain on the just. I used to think rain was negative. No, no, rain's, it is when you're a kid and you want to go outside. Yeah, but if you have, you have crops, rain, rain's a blessing from God. And he says, I reign on the just and the unjust. Be careful assuming that the mercy of God is the approval of God. Think about that. Sometimes his blessing is his long-suffering character that is giving you space to repent. Does that make sense? Do you remember Solomon and, uh, and Pharaoh's daughter? Solomon had wisdom from God at this point. He, God said, because, you, because of what you asked for, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you riches and wealth and honor and everything else because you asked for wisdom. And in the wisdom that Solomon had, what did he do? He took Pharaoh's daughter to wife. Brilliant military move. Brilliant strategic move. And what did he do? He moved her to Jerusalem. What's that mean? Egypt, Egypt, Egypt is not going to attack Israel. That was brilliant. But in, but in the law of Moses, he was still told not to do that. He was disobedient. He wasn't supposed to uh, have, marry any foreign wives. He wasn't supposed to amass horses. He wasn't supposed to amass chariots. He wasn't supposed to amass gold and silver. But he did all of those things. And in the interim, God said, God was blessing him. But he was giving him space to repent. And sadly, we come along where the Bible says he loved many strange wives and they took his heart and he was, he was, he was offering sacrifices to Ashraf and such of the pagan gods of the Amorites and the Moabites and things like that. And it would have been easy for Solomon to look at all of the blessing that was going off in, in his life and say, well, this is God's approval. No, sometimes the blessing in God's life is the space He's giving us to repent. Because, because we, we can see that the goodness of God sometimes leadeth thee to repentance. Remember Revelation? He talked about that woman Jezebel. He said, I gave her space to repent. 
and she would not. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't be careful assuming that the blessing and the mercy of God is approval. Sometimes, listen, if you're, uh, this is, uh, I'm, I'm getting off track here. But if the, listen, if there's something in your life that you know God has told you to do or God has told you not to do, and you're looking at the blessing of God in your life and you're just kind of uh, assuming that that's God's approval, no, it's not. You need to do whatever God's told you to do and realize the blessing in, his, in your life is that God is very long-suffering and patient and, and, he's, and He uh, gives us a lot of space to get right. So we do know this, that the wicked do prosper. We do know that the wicked do reject God a lot of times because of their prosperity. And we do know that at times the wicked live a, a very full life. I was on the plane coming back from Phoenix and the guy next to me, we talked about the whole way from Phoenix to Dallas. He was in banking. He talked, told me about that. It kind of it came out somehow the house he had there in Scottsdale, which Scottsdale, well, no, he was up in another area. Uh, golf course community, gated community, 6,900 square foot house in the Phoenix area. Brother, that's a multi-million dollar home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this dude's doing all right. And, and uh, no, no need for God. No need. Notice Job has some pretty wise discernment coming up here. <laughs> Look at verse 27. Where am I at? Yeah, verse 27. Look what he says. Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which ye wrongfully imagine against me. We were at our daughter's house Saturday, Saturday night and me and Serge were out in the back patio talking and Nico came out and he started to say something and Serge finished what he was going to say and Nico goes how did you know that and Serge goes because I know everything you think (laughs) he'll learn he'll learn that's not true but hey play the bluff as long as you got it right and Nico was just amazed at this look what Job says I know your thoughts See this? I, for I, where is it? Behold, I know your thoughts and the devices which you wrongfully imagine against me. For you say, where is the house of the prince? And where are the dwelling places of the wicked? Job says, I know what you're, I know what you're saying by, by your accusations. I know what you're trying to accuse me of. I know what you're doing. Look, Verse 28, where is the house of the prince? What is he talking about? Where are the dwelling places of the wicked? What's the inference here? The inference is, according to Job's friends, the house of the prince is Job's house. It could be that the the, the, the dwelling places of the wicked are his children's houses. They're all gone. Remember what his friends are assuming? You're, you're in sin, so that's why you've lost everything. Job says, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong. He's a, he's a, I, I wrote it down here this way. Don't connect your theology with my circumstances. We do that sometimes, don't we? Oh, well, they can't be saved because a saved person wouldn't do such and such and such and such. Yeah. No, but your flesh will. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, we, have that, we, we have that ability, don't we, to connect our theology and sometimes, a lot of times, it's wrong theology with people's circumstances. But many times the wicked prosper now. This is what Job's saying. He, he's, he's rebutting what they're saying. Many times the, the wicked do prosper now. But most certainly they will be judged later. Matthew Henry said this. I, I kind of find this. I like how he said this. He said, what is it that Job is, here asserts? Two things. 
Number one, that impotent sinners will certainly be punished in the other world. And usually their punishment is put off until then. Why? Well, the same reason you rejoice in God your Savior, because He's long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has no pleasure over, over the death of the wicked. He says, turn ye, turn, repent, he says over in Ezekiel. So Henry notices this, number two, that therefore we are not to think it strange if they prosper greatly in this world and fall under no visible token of God's wrath. Therefore they are spared now because they are to be punished then. Therefore the workers of the iniquity flourish that they may be destroyed forever. He's quoting Psalm Psalm 92 in verse 7 where the psalmist said, When the wicked spring is the grass and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. So Job says, I know what you're thinking. It's not true. The wicked, it may look like they're prospering now, but they're not. They're not. And look at Job's conclusion, verse uh, 34. How then comfort ye me in vain, seeing your answers, there remaineth falsehood. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. You know, lies, lies aren't comforting sometimes. Now, they, they may seem comforting, but ultimately a lie is never a comfort. And Job says, nice try trying to comfort me, guys, with a bunch of lies. <laughs> Not very comforting at all. So here's what's going to happen now. Now, Eliphaz, is, he's going to pipe up again. Eliphaz, he's wrong again, of course. Look at chapter 22 and verse 1. He goes on to say in verses 1 through 4, God doesn't receive anything from us. And then in verse 5, he's going to say that Job is a wicked, limitless sinner. Look at verse 5. Is not thy wickedness great and thine iniquities infinite? <laughs> you have, you, your, your sins are, are measured in eternality. Your, your sins are just go on and on and on and on. There's no limit to your sin. Yeah. Look at, look at how he accuses him. Look at where he accuses him. He's going to bring up some specifics. Look, look at verse 6. For thou hast taken a pledge from thy brother for naught, and stripped the naked of their clothing. Thou hast not given water to the weary to drink, and thou hast withheld bread from the hungry. But as for the mighty man, he hath the earth, and the honorable man dwelt in it. Verse 9. Thou hast sent widows away empty, and arms of the fatherless have been broken. Verse 6, he says, he says Job, you're just a low-down thief. You're, you're taking collateral. That's, you know, somebody has borrowed money from him. This is what he's assuming. Somebody borrowed money from Job. Job took his, he's poor. He has no clothing. And Job took his last bit of clothes for collateral. And he says, you stripped the poor, you low down thief. <laughs> Look at verse seven. He says, you're selfish and you're uncompassionate. No water to the weary. I mean, listen, they live in the desert. This is kind of a just cultural etiquette. Right? Somebody shows up in the summertime. It's 130,000 degrees out. And uh, would you like some water? Yeah, that's pretty normal. Right? He says, you don't even do that. Verse 9, he says, you're totally unloving. How low can you get if you have no care for the widow or you seek to hurt the fatherless? Yeah. So, so Eliphaz's char- charge against Job is that, that uh, Job, you attack the weak of society. You, are, you, atta- you go after the poor. You take advantage of the traveler. You take advantage of the widow and the uh, fatherless. Now, I don't know if you've caught this yet. But actually, Eliphaz's claim against Job is actually 
what Eliphaz is guilty of. <laughs> this, is t- this is typical, you know. This happens a lot. The ones that are screaming the loudest, right, are usually guilty of it, of what, what, what they're screaming the loudest about. And so here's Eliphaz's prescription. Look at, look at verse 21. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto you. So Eliphaz once again tells Job, Job, you just need to repent. You just need to get right with God. Verses 23 through 30. This is what, what Eliphaz promises Job. You'll be, you'll, you'll be built up. Verse 24, you'll be rich. Verse 25, you'll be defended. Verse 27, your prayers are going to get answered again. Verse 30, and you will, you will know what it is like again to be delivered. You will know deliverance. And Eliphaz, here he is. Job, get right with God. Everything will be wonderful again. Now notice chapter 23. Job is so completely exhausted now. So completely exhausted with his friends. You notice here he doesn't even respond to Eliphaz. He just says, Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. He says it's it's, it's still pretty unbearable for him. Obviously his friends have... No help for him. We, we understand the Word of God where it says, Vain is the help of man. Boy, they've proved that true, haven't they? Yeah. So in verses 3 through 4, Job now is going to desire a seat with God. Look at verse 3. Look what he says. Oh, that I might know. I'm sorry. Oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat. You know, I think that word O in the Bible, O-H, sometimes it's just O. I think it's one of the most powerful words in the English language. It is one of the greatest indicators of of the inner heart and the inner desire of a human being. Somebody may say, wow, that was a hard time. Or they may say, oh, that was, a, that was just one of the hardest times I ever went through. That, oh. Job says it here. David says it. Actually, God says it at one time. He, said, he says at one time, I, I forget, I, you know, I shouldn't have brought it up, I forgot where it is. He says, oh, that my people might love, that my people would love me. You see, the, inner, in, in, the, the, the deepest desire of God. He said, oh, that they might serve me, that they might love me. Yeah. Job says, oh, that I might know where I could find him. He's not been around me. He's been gone for a long time. Have you ever been in a place where you just wanted even just a little, maybe a small answer, but it just wasn't coming? It wasn't in your Bible reading. It wasn't in the preaching. You've talked to a thousand friends and they couldn't help you. You've read book after book. It wasn't there. You've even got on Google and Google couldn't help at all. Job here is saying, I still, I can't find him. Look at what he says in verse 8. Behold, I I go forward, but he is not there. And and backward, but I can't perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Job says that I just could find him. I just need to find God. Yeah, You've been there. I just want him to answer me. I just would kind of like to know what's going on. 
And here he makes, Job just makes another incredible statement in verse 10. Look at this. But he knoweth the way that I take. Yeah. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Wow. You know, just chapter 19, a couple, just before the last two knuckleheads talked, Job made that great statement that he knew, he knew that he was going to see God with his eyes in his flesh on this earth. What a statement. We understood that was only God could have revealed that to him. And then here he is with another one. He knoweth the way that I take. Yeah. What a comfort, what a consolation. When the answer doesn't come, Job says he knows where I am and he knows the path that I'm taking. And Job says, he's got a purpose in it all. He's, try, he's trying me. And when he's done trying me, when he's finished trying me, Job knows this, I'm going to come forth as gold. Remember what I said at the beginning? God, God, God is wanting uh, righteous Job to become perfect Job. Yeah. So watch what... Do you see what's evolving? Evol- that's not a bad word. What's evolving in Job's life here? Job is getting to the place that he is finally starting to believe that this episode in his life has been ordered by God, watch, for his good. He wasn't there before, was he? No. In times past, he outright blamed God for his predicament. He was convinced that God was doing it for absolutely no reason at all, but now time has gone by and he's been convinced that God has a purpose in all of it. His eyes are starting to open. He's starting, he's starting to change, isn't he? He's starting to change. He's getting softened. Why? He's getting softened so God can speak to him. No, God cannot speak to him yet. It's not the right time. Why? He, well, he, he's going to be soon ready, but not right now. Why is he not ready now? Look at, go back to chapter 10. Look at this real quickly. Job chapter 10. We're almost done. Job chapter 10. My soul is weary of my life. I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say unto God, do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. Is it good unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thy hands and shine upon the counsels of the wicked? Hast thou eyes of flesh? Or seest thou as man seeth? Are thy days as the days of man? Are thy years as man's days? That thou inquirest after mine iniquity and searchest after my sin? Thou knowest that I am not wicked. And there is none that can deliver me out of thine hand. Thine hands have made me and fashioned me together round about. Yet thou dost destroy me. He's saying, God, am I, I am so insignificant in thy sight. Why would you stoop yourself to mess with me? you realize if God intervened right there, Job wouldn't have been able to receive what God was doing in his life? Watch. It's taken this long, but now Job is starting to understand that just maybe what's going on in his life is the refining process of God. Why? What is God doing here? 
trying to get righteous Job to be perfect Job. You know what that means? It means going through the fire. Watch this. The time in the fire is determined by the impurities in the gold. And the all-knowing God, he will, he, he will never remove the gold from the fire before it's ready. Now what we're noticing here tonight is Job's getting a lot closer. A lot of the impurities. How do you know the impurities are coming out of his life? How do you know there's things that are getting tinker? Because his mind, his thoughts are changing towards God. And now he's to the place of saying, this will be for my good. How long did it take you in that trial to say, this is for my good? Sometimes it took a while, didn't it? Maybe you're still not even there. Yeah. Can I tell you, God won't take you out until it's time? You know, tonight, whatever valley that God has you in, it may be seeming like it's gone way too long. <laughs> Feel like that? like, I am so sick of this valley. I am so tired of this. I just wish God would show me what He's doing. But it seems like the heavens are a brass. It seems like I can't get answers to prayer. It seems like even though I try to do what's right, it just doesn't work. Right? You know, it very well could be that you're just not ready for God to speak to you yet. It's just not time. You know, it could be that God is... Got a little more refining to do in your life before you are able to receive what He has for you. You know, Peter had to fail before he believed Jesus. Remember all those dumb times? You won't go to Jerusalem. I won't let anybody take you. You're going to deny me three times. I will not. I'll die with you. The rooster goes off. Jesus looks at him. Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. And then we see him on the day of Pentecost preaching and 3,000 get saved. He finally believed him. <laughs> he finally believed God. But it took a while. It took failure. And Jesus was finally able to come to him after that and deal with Peter. And when he dealt with him, remember that? Lovest thou me more than these? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Lovest thou me more than these, Peter? You, you know I love you. Feed my, feed my lambs. Lovest thou me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. You know what Peter is ready to do? Now, now he's ready to listen. Now he could hear. Yeah. If you're in the fire tonight, and if you're not tonight, you will be eventually. Again, maybe. I want to remind you to do three things. People like lists. It makes it easy. Number one, trust Him. Look at verse 10. But He knoweth the way that I take. That's trust. When He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Boy, that's trust. Trust Him. Number two, wait on Him. Wait on Him. Look at verse 11. My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept, and have not declined. And I'm sorry, and not declined. What is he saying? I'm just staying, I'm just doing what I'm, I'm always done. 
I, I've just, I, I am not going to stop what I've done. I, some of you know our, our family was, was had great, great, uh, uh, great turmoil as, as a child and just a dysfunctional at one time. But I, but I remember this, of, of everything that happened in our home, uh, my dad never changed. Other things changed. Uh, the other parent changed and went off. The, yeah. But you know what my dad did? He never stopped going to church. Never stopped soul winning. Never stopped reading his Bible. He just he didn't change. What did he do? He just waited. He just continued doing what he believed, and he continued to what trust in God. As bad as it was, as awful as it was, as 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 dark as the time was, he just didn't change. Yeah. That helped me tremendously when I got into my thirties, and and through through into my late thirties, and even into my forties. Looking back and going, boy, that was encouraging. Some of you in here, don't, don't change. Your kids will be helped by it one of these days, okay? Just don't change. <laughs> Number three, obey Him. Obey Him. Look at verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of His lips. I have esteemed the words of His mouth more than my necessary food. Amen. Yeah. You know what Job says? I'm just going to keep obeying Him. I, I'm just, I'm just going to do what I'm told to do. So this is what we do. This is what we do. We're in a valley. We're in the fire. God is refining us. God is preparing us so He can tell us something. So He can so he, he can get us to where He wants us to be in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what we do tonight. We just trust Him. You wait on Him and you obey Him. If you're going through a valley tonight, if you're going through the testing, it may be testing that nobody sees. Nobody even knows. You know it. God knows it. I want to encourage you tonight. Trust Him. Once again, trust Him. Wait on Him and obey Him. Just do what He's told you to do. Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You for the good time of prayer we had tonight and the time of intercession. And I thank You for the life of Job. It's so neat to watch his mind set, start to change. Watch him soften. And very soon here, you're going to be dealing with him personally. And he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna he's gonna understand something about you that he has never understood before. He's gonna see you in a way he's never understood you before. And I get I get so excited to get there. And Father, there may be some tonight that are going through great valleys tonight. They may even seem like they're valleys of their own making, but you did allow them. And you're trying to everyone in here, you're trying to make us like Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that we'd be as through this process of this valley, that you, we would understand, God, that you were preparing us to be able to listen to you so you can do what you're trying to accomplish in our life. We pray you'd help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand real quick.